It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine Country brought to you by Bottle Barn, Dan Berger, of course. And I'll let Dan introduce our guests who have both been here before. One guy's got a white beard. The other guy has got a different white beard. (laughs) All right. Rusty Eddie. Say hello, Rusty. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. Good to see you again. Hey, Tim McDonald's here in the room. And uh, these are two old friends of mine. They represent some of the finest wines in America. And I think part of the reason is Tim got sick and tired of talking to people whose wines he didn't respect. <laughs> so he finally got rid of all the clients he didn't like. <laughs> Rusty's a partner along with Tim McDonald in Wine and Spirits Spoken Here. Talk about that. company that Tim founded many years ago. And I joined him, well, I think, five or six years ago now. And we've both been in public relations in the wine industry for more years than we'd like to say <laughs> and we're having a good time working together i don't mind saying 40 years uh, it's, uh, it's been a good ride it has wine <laughs> and spirit spoken here tell me about it what is it what does it do we're an agency that consults with clients about their marketing efforts their reputation building they're always in the need of press shall we say so we're a pr and marketing agency for been around for uh, 13 years now and we brought a handful of different clients not only russian river but santa barbara and washington and napa valley you're based in healdsburg right we have a two office situation rusty's in redwood valley up in mendocino oh okay yeah. i was in healdsburg until covid yep covid so things have changed a little bit and i've been in napa about 27 years dan your cellar wine this week. Uh, oh, I'm, I, I am so in love with this. I can't believe it. Now, this is a wine that probably is no longer available in the United States. <laughs> not this vintage especially, but also the brand itself is probably not even here. It's called The Lane, L-A-N-E, and it's um, a Chardonnay from Adelaide Hills in Australia. And by some absolute coincidence, this came uh, to me as a sample bottle about... 15 years ago never got around to opening it and by some coincidence it was sent to me by rusty <laughs> yeah that that was a time i was working for a marketing company called vintage new world up in seattle and this was one of the three aussie brands that we imported and what year is this oh five oh five holy crap Ola. chardonnay yeah. and it's delicious it is good and since we're on trivia uh it's imported by tom eddie wines that's right <laughs> Who's it's it's so, a very incestuous industry. <laughs> That's your brother, incidentally. It is. Okay. <laughs> this this is good. Mm. I, I can't believe that it's this old and it's a shard. Yeah. Well, it was under good storage, so there. <laughs> yeah. Take well. that, Steve. <laughs> so it wasn't in my trunk, which is my wine cellar. <laughs> no, it'll be in my trunk in about five minutes here. <laughs> this is this is good. Uh, oh, yeah, it's really good. Very. Tim, good. Rusty, uh, thoughts on it? On. Uh, you know, this is, uh, I think Adelaide Hills, Dan and I were talking about this earlier. It's just a great uh, location for whites, Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc in particular in Australia. Um, when we started importing it, it was right before the, the recession in 2008 hit the U.S. and a lot of Aussie wines just kind of went away. They weren't imported anymore after that, and the lane went away. Coincidentally, the brand came back to Tim and me uh, about five years ago they were trying to re-enter the U.S. market um, and they made a valiant effort but 
now they're just focused on Australia and I suppose uh, China up until uh, last year or so. How did this survive since 2005? Well, it came as a sample. I didn't like the prior vintage, so I didn't open the 05, and it just got lost in the cellar down at the bottom of the 55 degrees, uh, you know, cellar. And then finally, after some years, I was unearthing some old bottles and found this, and it just looked great. I held it up to the light. There wasn't any color change. And look at that. It's just fabulous. It's still got yellow straw highlights it's go- just gorgeous wine and, and it's a twist cap yeah screw cap helped a little screw bit screw cap if it had been uh, an actual cork i think the cork would have killed it yeah okay. i agree yeah um, the other thing about this is it's adelaide and most people don't go to adelaide they go to sydney and they go to melbourne but if you ever decide to go to adelaide for some reason you'd find it's an absolutely charming little city and some of the finest wineries in the world are just outside the city, just to the uh, just to the east, up in the hills, and get there before they all turn into houses because a lot of that area is so gorgeous that it's all turning into houses real fast. But this property is up on the eastern edge of the eastern part of, of Adelaide, and it's spectacular up there. Gorgeous, hilly country uh, with uh, fabulous restaurants in Adelaide, but... People don't go there. The tourists always end up in Melbourne and, and Sydney. But, you know, a lot of these wineries, and the Lane is one of them, uh, have restaurants on site as well. And these are not just diners. These are really high-end, classy restaurants. The last time I was in Australia, some of the best restaurants uh, I ate at were the ones at wineries. Really? Yeah. Fun fun place to visit if you can afford the time. It's a big country. Pour, pour your Letitia bubbly here. I'm ready for that. We brought along some really cool wines that would be good for the holidays, and this Letitia is fairly new to Northern California, and uh, Letitia's down in Santa Barbara, and Dan's been a fan for a long time. I love Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo uh, sparkling wines because there's so much uh, subtle flavor and the flavors are, are serious flavors because if you buy this bottle and drink it up, you'll love it. But if you buy this bottle and stick it away for two years, it gets better. Yeah, and I, I'm uh, the chief judge at the Central Coast Wine Competition where this particular wine has won Best Sparkling Wine three really? years in a row. The nose is lovely. Uh, gorgeous. I'm not a huge sparkling guy, so I don't have much else to say about this, Dan. What I like about this wine is... That it smells a little French, a little teeny bit French, but mm. then after you get it in the mouth, you say, whoa, there's California fruit. And that's really, it's charming. It's got a little bit of strawberry, a little bit of almost a raspberry kind of a note to it. It's pink, but not heavily pink. It's very, it's almost salmon color. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, that's salmon. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Harry's our sparkling guy on the okay. show. I'm yeah. working on it. I've just poured. I'll be with okay. you in just a second. Right. And that, that color, of course, comes from a 35% Pinot. It's used in that. So it's 35 Pinot, 65% Chardonnay, um, entourage for 15 months, and bargain price for Thanksgiving at 25 bucks. Go Would go great with turkey. Absolutely yeah. go great with turkey. Uh, yeah, I like it. Great acidity, but still a little bit of richness from the dosage. It's classic. It's just gorgeous wine. I can't <sighs> believe this is less than... It's, it's 25 bucks? 25 yeah. And oh, that, this is up there with the $35 wines. Easy. It's a bargain. Uh, and for many uh, years, uh, it had a very limited distribution. 
So they came out with the the RM series, and it's uh, totally available in the um, uh, whole state and uh, many other states as well. Where is the Arroyo Grande Valley? It is south of San Luis Obispo, so right off 101, a cooler cooler part of the county. And the name of the town is Halcyon. Yeah. (laughs) I love that name. So just north of Santa Barbara. Um, yeah, uh, Kaiser gave me a script for housing the last week. <laughs> you feeling better? <laughs> no, I'm tired. The other thing about Leticia, which I think is uh, always nice to know, is it is 100% estate-grown grapes. And in fact, they designate this one RM, which is a French designation for essentially means it's a grower champagne. What year is this? It's non-vintage. Non-vintage because it non-vintage. Needs, needs that time on the, on the bottle. Right, they also right, use right. about... I don't recall the percentages. I think it's about 10 or 15% of reserve wine, which almost challenges them to make a vintage. So, But it's a really gorgeous, I mean, a, a new package as well. It's a really beautiful label. It has a nice view of the Pacific Ocean. It's yes, a, it does. It's up, on the, up on the hill there. And um, they have a very robust club. And for a long time, the only people that could get their hands on this uh, fizz was by being a member of the club. Where can they get their hands on it now? I am pretty sure that the distributor uh, uh, sells to everyone from Safeway to independent retailers um, this particular offering, and they have a brute as well, um, were um, basically launched about six months ago here. Nice wine. You like it here? I do. I do. Uh, and it's it's not what you would expect for me at least from a, a typical champagne. There's more body there, uh, and as you mentioned, the acidity and and again the color. It's a very pleasing color to it. Yeah, it's so delicate uh, on the one hand, but in the mid palate, it's rich enough to stand up to yeah. some sub- substantive foods. Our guest today on California Wine Country, uh, along with Dan Berger, uh, winemaker Rusty Eddy, and uh, Tim McDonald. And uh, wannabe winemaker, <laughs> pardon me, wannabe winemaker, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about wine drinker? Perfect. Okay, there you go. Well, it says winemaker on my sheet here, so <laughs> well, we'll take it. Uh, yeah, take it. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, wine and spirits spoken here is the name of the company, their partners. And uh, what else did you guys bring? I mean, there's a lot Ooh. of stuff, and talk about the holidays because a lot of this. Well, it, it is really pre-holiday kind of... Uh, when Dan invited us, uh, we had something else in mind, and then uh, we had a little change, and we pivoted, and I said, you know, people are going to be getting ready for the holidays. What kind of wines would you like to have with your turkey fair? And uh, so we kept that in mind. So we've got a Coupe a Chardonnay uh, 2019 that's also from the Santa Barbara area. and Let's check that out. And we've had, uh, um, God, I think that was four or five years ago, we had Mm -hmm. Bob Lindquist on the show, and he brought a 20-year-old Chardonnay. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's it's still made in the the, uh, sort of vein of how it was made in the early days. And Mm. um, 19. This is a 2019. 2019. I like this a lot. It's oh, a this is Santa Barbara County Y Block. That it, it sort of bypasses one of the key elements. Where is Y Block? <laughs> uh, y Block is the name, the proprietary name of this vintage. And for years, it came from a, 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 a large swath of uh, 
land in the Y block was what Bob uh, picked from. So they marked the name Y block and uh, uh, Y W I D E. Uh, w no, just Y. Just the Y letter X, Y Z. Oh, letter. oh, okay, okay. So a long time ago, uh, I think they probably sourced it just uh, one vineyard. Uh, but is it is it a sub-appellation in Santa Barbara? Uh, no, I believe it's just a proprietary name that was marked, uh, trademarked, and uh, used to exist uh, in the Biennacito, uh property. Correct. Yeah. Adjacent to where the winery used to be. Correct. Oh, I see. I see. But it just, it just says Santa Barbara County. Okay. Yeah. All right, Dan, why do I like this so much? I think, the first of all, it's fresh. Uh, it doesn't really have very much, if any, malolactic fermentation, which to me is a mark of a wine that is fresher and fruitier. So this is a lot of fruit. Uh, citrusy notes, but also a little bit of tropical fruit, and then some um, obvious age in barrel, but not very long age in barrel so it's fresh and it still has a little bit of that spice note in the aftertaste it's a very pr- pleasing wine and the nice thing about it is it it is uh, been tweaked a tiny bit it's 95 percent chardonnay but it has a little roussin and one percent viognier as if i could tell that <laughs> <laughs> well dan if anyone could tell it it would be you <laughs> Once, once they tell me behind this, you know. is is it worth adding one percent of anything to it? You know, that, that's a great question, and and and, and the answer is, in most cases, yes. The winemaker does these bench trials, and if you've ever attended a bench trial, you'll you'll want to leave in about twenty minutes because it is really boring. The winemaker is fine tuning, fine tuning, fine tuning until like you are completely lost. I, I attended a bench trial. At uh, Mondavi a few years ago, there were 88 glasses on the table, and we had to do the 1% of this and the half percent of that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to go nuts here. (laughs) The winemaker does that for weeks on end until they finally make that 1% addition. (laughs) It's true. And And it makes a difference. Yeah, Yeah, I think it makes a big difference. It's kind of like cooking. You know, there's oftentimes that when you're cooking, you add a little of this and a little of that that might not be a part of the recipe, so you're modifying maybe the core idea uh, so having a little tiny bit of Viognier or having a tiny bit, like, you know, how many Cabernets are 100% Cabernet? Almost none. None. Almost none. So they add a little Merlot, they add a little Petit Verdot, they add a little <coughs> Malbec, maybe, Mer- you know, other, other I had, things. I had a wine today, at a, I was a judge at a wine competition this morning, and there was a wine that had 2% Petit Verdot in it, and that was it. It was 98% Cabernet and 2% Petit Verdot. And I wondered to myself, again, wondered to myself, did that 2% make a difference? And you know what? It had to, because the winemaker wouldn't have messed around with it had it not made a difference on his bench trial. Yeah. <laughs> and and I've, I've done a lot of bench trials in the old days with uh, Daryl Groom, oh, uh, sure. up at Geyser Peak, and Trincaro, and Gallo, and different companies, and... Yeah, that one or two percent does seem to make a difference. Yeah, especially when it's a, a real floral, aggressive rattle like Viognier. Yeah, a little bit makes a big difference. That's fascinating. Yeah. Now, Steve, you've been involved in a few bench trials, if I'm <laughs> at correct. At Sonoma right? County Superior Court, <laughs> but I, uh, I don't think I've ever heard of a wine bench trial. Explain that further. I mean, it, they, they put the glasses out. They take out all the different lots that they've got, and they pour. 
about an ounce or two in, in each glass, and then they go from glass to glass to glass to glass, and at some point, they can't, well, glass number 27, that's not going to make it, so we just dump that, put that into the blend, and then after a while, they winnow it all down, and then they're doing their trials, and they got these little things called pipettes. They're little graduated cylinders, and they have little, you know, like one-tenth of a percent, and so, and you and you pour a little of each into those things, and you pour it into an empty glass. So you instead you start out with eighty eight glasses, and now you've got one hundred and twelve. <laughs> you really have to be a wine geek to oh, go to these you, things. The winemaker I mean, winemakers are are into minutia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's very very much like when you're cooking a, a pot of uh, a stew sauce, uh, any kind of uh, thing in the kitchen. You are now the cook, uh, and this is your kitchen. And you have every barrel that's maybe in your, you know, possession, and you're taking examples of them, tasting them separately, and then you and build, you build. adding and subtracting. And I've and I've found out about there are certain wines that actually turned out to be completely illegal because the winemaker made a much better t- decision, and the wine lost its vintage, and they said, ah, the hell with it, we'll just erase the technical sheet so that the government inspector doesn't find out that we use too much of this or too little of that. <laughs> and then the end result's better wine. And then you wind up in Sonoma County uh, Superior Court like I have. Doing a bench trial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Illegal wine, Steve Jackson. Hello, Illegal Judge. Wine. Where's the damn bench? I don't see a bench. By the way, guys, it's just another one of those uh, very good values. And we, we thought about that when we brought these wines today. This one suggests retail is twenty-two bucks. Jeez. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, good and price. And tell us the name again. It is Coupe, and Coupe is in Santa Barbara. Q U P E. And Coupe is a, uh, a Chumash Indian word for poppy. Uh, oh, cool. A- and it is a very much available throughout the whole country. Uh, and Wine.com sells it, and everybody. I mean. Whole Foods has it. In I'm sure Bottle Barn has Bottle it. Bottle Barn. Of course Bottle Barn has it. I am it. certain that Bottle Barn has it. It is California Wine Country brought to you by Bottle Barn. Dan Berger's here, of course. And our guests today are Tim McDonald and Rusty Eddy. They uh, have a company called Wine Spoken Here, uh, Rogue Strategies. So it's, it's actually uh, Wine and Spirits Spoken Here slash Rogue Strategies. Strategies. Uh, what's the difference? What's Rogue Strategies exactly? Well, Wine and Spirits Spoken Here is the, the company that Tim started, and Rogue Strategies is the one that I started. And uh, what does right Rogue Strategies do? I, I, it's marketing and it's PR marketing and stuff. And PR. It's the same, uh, all directed towards the wine industry, because that's where we grew up, and that's who we know. Where did you guys grow up, Tim? Las Vegas, Nevada. Really? Mm-hmm. And Rusty? Davis, California. There you go. Did you go to UC Davis I to did, learn uh, about wine? And but uh, chemistry scared me away from uh, winemaking, so I ended up as an English major. But your brother became one of the great Cabernet producers. He did, and he still got his uh, winery, Tom Eddy Winery, in Calistoga and makes a couple thousand cases a year. What are we sampling now, Dan? This is a 2020 rosé. When you put your nose in a glass, it smells like Cabernet Sauvignon. And it's a coincidence that it is Cabernet Sauvignon, and it comes from Washington State, and it's delicious. And it's a 2020 rosé. Brand called Be Human comes from the Occalini family of wines. They own about 650 acres on Red Mountain. They own property in the Horse Heaven Hills, and this Be Human rosé from Cabernet comes from the Horse Heaven Hills. 
smaller Appalachian. It's a uh, wonderful Appalachian for red wine. It's a really uh, Columbia Valley is vast, and uh, this is a very very special area. It's uh, hilly <coughs> and uh, pretty terrible soils, which is great for Cabernet. So, I love the name. Be human. Be human. That's cool. Yep. It's their um, successful brand in the $16 to $18 segment. They started little by little, and this is the first vintage of Be Human wines. They only have been around for about a year. And this was really big in uh, Whole Foods up in the Northwest. This is a very fruity wine to me. It's very fruity, but it also has a little teeny bit of that um, almost sage or... Uh, dried thyme character that you get from uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. The, the, the Cabernet notes, this reminds me of year, like 30, 40 years ago when Simi used to make a Cabernet Rosé. This is a better example of that because there's a better acidity level in this wine and it's got really nice structure. It kind of reminds me in the mid-palate like it's a red wine, but in the aftertaste it's definitely sort of pink. And the aftertaste I have a slight problem with. It's just... It's dry. And it seems to not go away quick enough. I mean, I'd like a long finish and everything, but there's something about this that uh, it needs food, I think. Don't worry, Steve. We've, we've still got some Coupe Chardonnay here for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, okay. and closer to home, we've got a Russian River Pinot Noir from Rayburn. And Rayburn, um, this is their fourth vintage, I believe. Uh, and it is... Uh, Rayburn wines do really well at Bottle Barn, um, uh, and they do well here in the Sonoma County. Uh, and this is freshly released. The success of the prior vintage uh, put them a little bit out of stock, and uh, frankly, uh, we're the first people I know that tasted it. Well, 2020 is still pretty young. This needs about maybe two hours of air just to open it up a little bit. But the flavors are gorgeous, and it's it's exa- a classic example of Russian River. I mean, anybody who has any history with Russian River Valley Pinot Noir knows what they're looking for. This is really elegant. It's got some beautiful fruit and uh, has a little bit of raspberry almost in the aftertaste. It's just delicious wine. And, and, and typically fairly reasonably priced, as I recall. $24.99. Wow. Pretty amazing. Harry. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. This, yeah, me this too. is more my uh, style. Although I've been really enjoyed the sparklings to start with. Now we're getting into the richer, deeper flavors. And uh, Dan mentioned the raspberry, which is a nice little component that it has there. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of raspberry, actually. And that's well, delicious. Well, you usually get a lot of raspberries, Steve. Raspberries. <laughs> okay. That's different. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I was get, not going to do that. <laughs> I get a lot of that. But, uh, so Tim and Rust, da- uh, Rusty. Be, Rusty, you guys have known Dan Berger a long time. Uh, 27 years. He okay. out of school. I, uh, I've only really known and interacted Dan for six months. I like to think I've gotten to know him. I like to think that we're friends. Tell me something I don't know about <laughs> Dan Berger. <laughs> hmm. I couldn't do that. <laughs> Mm. Actually, Harry, we know it all, and so we have to be very careful about what we say. Yes, all right. Well, let's well his let's talk about Dan Berger then. Come okay. on, give us some inside scoops here. I was introduced to him by Jerry Mead. Oh, good lord! 
uh, which <laughs> I thought uh, he was a curmudgeon, and then I found out that he must have had a good mention it was Dan. <laughs> I, the best story I remember about Dan is when I worked at Fetzer in the 80s, and Dan called me one day and he said, this is great. You guys are on the right track. Gamay Beaujolais is going to be the next most popular red wine in the States. I was absolutely right for four people. (laughs) Well, thank you, guys. Now I feel like I'm closer to Dan. That was a good Gamay, by the way. It was good. It was delicious. (laughs) Before they made the change to Valdeguay. Well, which was my doing, incidentally. That's not his story. Explain Gamay Beaujolais, and is it still... Well, it doesn't exist anymore because it's not... Technically, it's not a great Because Dan Berger said it was the next hot thing. Well, it's not a great variety. They all said, oh, oh, Berger, we better stop. UC Davis classified it as a great variety for several years, and so people made it as Gamay Beaujolais until... um, Hop Kiln Winery in 1978 came out with a wine that was 14.9 alcohol, and it said Gamay Beaujolais on the front label. And I, I called Marty Griffin, the owner of the winery. I said, what, what are you doing with this Gamay Beaujolais with 14.9 alcohol? He says, that's what it came out. I said, yeah, but the name doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So that's when we changed it. Yeah, <laughs> at, at BV, I remember we had Gamay Beaujolais and uh, Pinot Chardonnay and Johannesburg Riesling. Good Lord. All these names that don't exist don't anymore. Exist cause By the way, I, I, I'd like to make a pitch. Instead of going out and buying your uh, Beaujolais Nouveau yes. when it comes out the next week or so, get a good bottle of Cru Beaujolais instead. Yeah. They're that's very that. wonderfully priced. Bottle Barn's got Pitchford Bottle Barn, they have a great selection. You can get all the sub-appellations. Their, their Cru Beaujolais selection is fabulous because they, doesn't, they don't stick to the tried-and-true names. They go after the good stuff, and some of the names are completely unknown. All you have to do is ask any, any of the people on, on the floor know all about this. And these wines are going to be maybe $2 more than a standard Beaujolais or maybe 3 at the most, and it's infinitely more enjoyable. Agreed. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good wine. And I Pinot like that. Noir is yeah. delicious. So that's Rayburn, R-A-E-B-U-R-N. And I would be willing, 2020. willing to bet that at Bottle Barn, this is more like $18. Now we're talking. It's about a, it's a, it, from a standpoint of quality, it's around a 40 to $42 bottle of wine, in my opinion. But the, it, to see it, it discounted under 20 is ridiculous. It's delicious wine. <sighs> and has been for several years. Yeah, and this one they they bumped up the production quite a bit. There are twenty thousand cases available, so Amazing. it's uh, it's, it's going to be around for the holidays. And they're more known for the Chardonnay that they make from Russian River, and it's a consistent uh, Chardonnay from Russian River, uh, a a hot brand, if you will, in the U.S. coast to coast, border to border, and the Pinot Noir came into the lineup about four vintages ago. And Steve, you're not usually a Pinot guy, but you're enjoying this. No, I like Pinot. Yeah? Okay. It's my favorite red wine okay. these days. Uh, yeah. If it's not Chardonnay, then it's Pinot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really like this. I'll make a note of that. <clears throat> how long, how many uh, decades would you lay this down, Dan? <laughs> I wouldn't. I would basically buy this wine, pull the cork, put it in a decanter for two hours okay. and just enjoy it because it really doesn't need a lot of time. This is this is a wine made to go with your turkey and all your other fixings and everything else. And the problem that a lot of people find is that 
I mean, Steve, you joke a lot about my putting the wine away in the cellar all the time. Some wines do not require that. <laughs> so we just go with the flow. <laughs> so there's at least one we know of. This well, one, this right? one for sure. Okay. Yeah. Now, the next one, the Cabernet that you brought, that's a whole different game. And, and also, uh, although it will change a little bit over time, uh, it's not so much that it gets better. It just opens up and just becomes open. more drinkable and so forth. I mean, w- on Friday night, I'm getting together with some guys, and we're drinking uh, wines from the 60s and 70s. Okay. Price range or year? <laughs> no, that's when they were year. born. We have a 66. They were born in the 1860s and 1870s, and they're getting together. A, we have a 66, a 68, a 69, and a 70. Wow. And we're, we're drinking them all side by side. And then we have a few others. We had some 75 Clodeval, and we've got some 74 Heights Martha's Vineyard, and on and on and on. And we're going to drink them all. And if anybody wants to come, you <laughs> And call you me won't on be coming in that week. No, I'm, it's, it's just one evening. Okay. <laughs> Friday night. He's got a driver. Yeah. <laughs> now, when we've been talking about these wines, when we've talked about enjoying them with a holiday meal, we've always defaulted to turkey, cranberry, etc. What about. For the folks who are not having. You know, there are some people who just don't do the turkey thing. So I brought along a Napa Valley Cabernet that is uh, organized by uh, Bill Legan, an old friend of Dan's and and all of ours that are in the business. And uh, this is the third vintage of this experience, Napa Valley Cabernet. So if you're doing a standing rib roast or you're doing something a little bit more on the... um, you know, the uh, chops meat kind of thing. Uh, not that Cabernet might not go well with turkey if you're a Cabernet drinker. But if you, the more sage you use in your turkey, correct. the more the Cabernet works with it. The less sage, if you're using, for example, if you did a ham, this is not your No, one. this is not, okay. not going to work. <laughs> Well, <laughs> definitely Pinot with him. These yeah. these days at Thanksgiving dinners, the more wine, the better. I think, <laughs> depending on whether you've got a pillow side by side. Right. And I met Robert Lawrence Balzer, who Dan introduced me to, and he always said, "Hey, put three or four or five or six things on the table, and it's a beauty contest." <laughs> That's right. Just whatever you like, go with it. I like the color of this cab. Yeah, it's a beautiful the cab color. Is gorgeous. Yeah. What? Who? Who made? Who made the wine? It's really uh, Barry Nico. Barry Nico, old old uh, fan of uh, of he was down in uh, Monterey County for several years yep. and made wine for Jay Lore and so forth. And this, this is good this, stuff. This label is owned by a couple who met on a tour, a bus tour in New Zealand, and the tour company was called Experience New Zealand, and therefore the name of the brand experience and if, were they interns or working the harvest down there is that the yes that? yeah they're yeah. both interning uh yeah. during the wine uh during crash that's and a great now, name we're, we're experience pre- is a, a wonderful name yeah it's a great name for a wine and and label where the previous wine really didn't need any uh, uh time in bottle but decanting would help this wine requires decanting for a whole different reason because right now it's all closed up it's a 2019 it's really tight it's really rigid and it's not really releasing some of its aftertaste you you're picking it up a little teeny bit about two and a half minutes after you swallow the last sip you're so you're starting to see some of what's there but you can't get to it a couple hours in the decanter at least or a couple decades 
Well, well Dan, I, lay it down, Burger. I'm sorry. I would, I would I say it. I would say at least six to eight years for this particular bottling, not because owned. it was a good year for laying it down, but not for a long, long, long time. And it's under forty. It's suggested retails thirty bucks. So thirty bucks. Yeah, no, you can't go wrong there. And so this is the kind of wine you buy a case of, and then you try it little by little by little over a period of ten years, and, and taste it changing. Correct. And yeah. then you're down to one bottle, and you wonder what to do with the last bottle. <laughs> you invite us over. <laughs> no, he brings it in here on Wednesday. It's California Wine Country, brought to you by Bottle Barn, Dan Berger, and our guests today are Tim McDonald and Rusty Eddie, bringing some fantastic wines and sparkling wines. I do want to remind everyone that this segment is podcast. It is the podcast. It's uh, calwinecountry.com. Since 2017, you can listen to any show of California Wine Country on the podcast, calwinecountry.com. And thanks to Christopher DiMatteo, our podcast guy and our L.A. producer, for making that happen. The website is winespokenhere.com. Thank you. Correct. You're welcome. We are wrapping up this week's California Wine Country with Dan Berger, brought to you by Bottle Barn. Our guests today are Tim McDonald and Rusty Eddie. Their companies are Wine and Spirits Spoken Here and Rogue Strategies, uh, all about marketing, public relations, etc. for the wine world and uh, specifically also in Sonoma County. We've had clients everywhere from Australia to, uh, to Europe, so we're all over the place.